The NFL Draft is coming to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Don't listen to anyone who wants to rain on that cheesehead parade plus. What has to happen for the Packers to hit the low projections that places like the odds makers and others have set for Green Bay this upcoming season? We dig into that on today's show. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. This is a beautiful day because the NFL draft is going to be in Green Bay in 2025. And there was a predictable chorus from sports media people, both in, I I was flabbergasted to see Rob Domofsky go, oh, this makes me worried as someone who has lived in Green Bay for 25 years. Not, hey, this is so cool. I'm so excited. What an awesome thing for Packer fans, for a city that typifies, that embodies the blue collar spirit that has always propped up the National Football League, where if you go back in the history of the Green Bay Packers, it is the case that Curly Lambeau himself thought that the Packers would be better off in Milwaukee, in a bigger market, in a bigger city with more people who could potentially come to the games. And guess what the fans said? Nope. It is actually better in Green Bay. More people came to the games. More people supported the team in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Rather than saying, what a cool story. What an incredible moment for the NFL that they would say, you know what? There are other cities with more glamour. Other cities with more five-star restaurants, other cities with more hotel rooms. And yes, that is, of course, going to be the nonsense argument being made about, oh, it can't be in Green Bay. Where are people going to stay? No, what you're saying is, where am I going to stay? Because guess what? When 300,000 people went to Kansas City, they didn't all stay at the Ritz-Carlton. They didn't all stay at the Four Seasons. They stayed on couches and at Airbnbs and at Motel 6s in like the Ozarks because they wanted to go to the NFL draft because they are football sickos. And I say that absolutely lovingly as a fellow football sicko. It is an incredibly cool moment 
for the Packers to get an opportunity like this, for the city of Green Bay, for the state of Wisconsin to get an opportunity like this. And yet all some people can think about is, won't someone think of the media people? Won't someone think of the Marriott points that are being lost? Won't someone think of the accommodations? Won't someone think of my flight that I will have to connect into Austin Straubel because I won't be able to fly directly into my destination? I won't be able to fly on Delta. I'll have to fly God knows what. The horror. The agony. It's ridiculous. 600,000 people come for the EAA show in Oshkosh, not even Green Bay, in Oshkosh. And guess what? It's fine. It's fine. In fact, it's more than fine. It is cool. 100,000 people a day go to Summerfest. 100,000 people a day go to Summerfest. I know it's in Milwaukee, but it's a week. Talk about um, almost a million people over the course of, and they're not all from Milwaukee, people fly in. Like, think of just Nashville's a big city, right? Nah, kind of. 600,000, somewhere in there. Guess what? Have you ever been to Nashville? Did you, did you see where the draft was? I did. It was downtown. You can't get a hotel in downtown Nashville in. Like anytime, forget the NFL draft. And guess what? All of the good hotel rooms are booked by corporate sponsors. They're booked by the NFL. They're booked by Pepsi. They're booked by the, the, all of the league's corporate partners. They're booked by the teams. Go to a, have you ever been to a Super Bowl? All the good hotel rooms are gone. I just tried to book my hotel rooms for Las Vegas for the Super Bowl this upcoming year. Guess where I can't get a room? Anywhere good. Anywhere good. You know why? The NFL has them. Because their, their media partners have them. ESPN has them. Their corporate partners have them. This is not about the fans. Give me a break. This is about media people who want to complain. What are, what are all the fans going to do? The fans don't care. Guess what? If anything, the fans want to go see Green. They want an excuse to go see Green Bay, Wisconsin. You cannot tell me that a fan that is going to go dress up like a bear man or like, a, you know, a, a lion and go to the draft and listen to 300 names called, not even, not even hear the analysis, not even see the people most of the time. They're just there to hear names read at a podium. You think those people are going to freak out because they had to stay at an Airbnb in Trivers? Give me a break. This is ridiculous. This is, it is ridiculous. This is awesome. It's awesome that Green Bay is going to host the draft. And I, I need to say this too. There's been a lot of complaining about Mark Murphy. A lot of consternation. And, ugh, 
he's the reason this and the, he did that. He only cares about and he's meddling and he's doing all this stuff. This doesn't happen without Mark Murphy. This doesn't happen without the Titletown district. And if you've gone to Green Bay and I have family in Green Bay, my, my grandparents are from Green Bay. I've been going to Green Bay my whole life. You know, the Packers aside. Visiting just to go. That area has changed in a fundamental way. And it has changed for precisely these opportunities. We're talking about tens of millions of projected dollars. Almost $100 million in revenue. Not for the Packers. But for the state of Wisconsin. Because of what, three days? Because people from around the country are going to come to a place that has a relationship with football that is unlike any other place in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to come to Green Bay, Wisconsin, or they're going to, they'll eventually come to Green Bay. They might stay in, you know, Appleton. They might stay in Ashwaubenon. They might stay in Door County. Go stay in Door County. Beautiful. They might stay in Sheboygan. They might stay in Shawano. They might stay in Milwaukee. Milwaukee Milwaukee's great. I'm from Milwaukee. I grew up in Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to come and they're going to experience the special relationship that people in Green Bay, that people in the state of Wisconsin, that Packer fans around the world, not just the country, the world, have with this team. It is unique in sports. Forget football. Unique in sports. And not not even unique in the way that we often say where it's like, this is really cool and special. No, it is one of one. This is a team owned by the people. The Green Bay Packers are a professional football team for the people, by the people. And the rest of the world is going to get an opportunity they wouldn't otherwise get. Because, yeah, when the Packers play the Bears, Bears fans come. And when the Packers play the Patriots every four years, and it's not even in Green Bay every four years. It might be in Green Bay every eight years because you you trade off. A group of people get to come and experience. A very select group of people get to come and experience it. Hundreds of thousands all at once will descend on northeastern Wisconsin and experience a place that has a relationship with football, a relationship with their team that is just not like anything they have ever seen before. And what I don't want, and I know that I spent a lot of time on the complaints, and I I, I kind of immediately regret doing that, but I, I needed to say it because it frustrated me to no end. But what I don't want is for that to overshadow the truth. And the reality is, there are going to be so many people who want to come to experience Green Bay precisely because of what it is, a small town 
the smallest in American professional sports that has supported not just a team, but a great team, a historic team for 100 years. That's, that's what Green Bay has done. That's what Packer fans have done. What has your city done? What has your fan base done? And who are you to complain about having to, having to cover this event? This is impossibly cool. I can't wait to be there. Maybe we'll have a Locked on Packers party. Let's do it. Let's do some live shows from Green Bay. Let's do it. I hope my bosses are listening. And if they're not, I'm going to send them this clip. Let's do some live shows. I'm going to be live. Let's do it. This is an incredible moment. And we, back to a point that I tried to make a couple minutes ago, the only reason it happens is because of what Mark Murphy did with the Titletown District. They ha- you have to pitch this. This is like the Olympics. You have to go and pitch the league on hosting the draft. They presumably have a plan. I, I Presumably that means more hotel rooms are probably going to be built or renovated or something, expanded. But for all of the issues that people have had with Mark Murphy, this doesn't happen without him. And it's fine. You could, there other, maybe the other criticisms are valid. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think they're overblown mostly based on what I know, but this, this incredibly cool thing that's going to happen in Green Bay. I don't want to say it only happens because of Mark Murphy, but he is a huge reason that it is happening. And it's awesome. I am thrilled for Green Bay. I'm thrilled for the state of Wisconsin, and I'm thrilled for the hundreds, literal hundreds of thousands. Kansas City, 300,000 people plus came for the draft. I am thrilled for the hundreds of thousands of people who will now get to experience this town, this culture, this group of people. It's incredibly cool. All right, we're going to talk about the Packers. This is a Packers podcast after all, coming up in just a second. But before we do, today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Go make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I told you I was live betting the PGA Championship. I live bet Brooks Kepka. Hit on that one. I was really hoping. I had Roy McIlroy live betting on Sunday at 22 to 1. Man, I was I was stoked for that one. He goes out. I think he was one under through two. I was like, oh, look out. He can make a run. I got, I got Scotty Scheffler. I was so mad. I kicked myself on Thursday he goes out and has this great round. And I'm like, oh, I really, he was the only big gun that I didn't really have any, you know, any, any taste on. And then, oh, cool. He's only a couple shots back. I can get him at plus 850. And he did, he, he got he got in the mix. He was one off the lead. And Brooks just could not be stopped. Luckily, I got Brooks to win. So if you want to give it a try, go to fandle.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every dayers. This week on the show, Gary Ellerson, longtime uh, Green Bay Packer uh, analyst, radio host, former player, all that good stuff. 
Um, he is hopefully going to join us on the show this week. He's got a new podcast, newish. I guess it's not so new anymore with Leroy Butler. Uh, we're going to talk about that and, and a lot of a lot of stuff about the Packers offseason um, that is coming up this week on Locked On Packers. So I was looking at this thing called ESPN FPI, and it's it's a number that I really like. I think it's a cool uh, data point. And what they do is they use their analytical models. And it's a combination of things, but it's mostly at this point. And I talked to, to Seth Wisner about this, who, who runs the, the model for, for ESPN. I said, hey, man, like, what's the deal with this? It doesn't make any sense to me because he had the Packers. It had the Packers at 25th. Here are the teams that are worse than the Packers by this model. It's a point-based model. So um, for those of you watching on YouTube, I have it on the screen. But if you can't see it, it's basically how much, how many points are you better than the average team on a neutral field? They have the Packers 2.8 points worse than the average team on a neutral field. The only teams worse are the Falcons, the Panthers, the Titans, the Colts, the Bucks, the Cardinals, and the Texans. Essentially, the worst teams in football. And I said to him, I said, hey, you know, why, why is this? Um, can you like how bad is Jordan Love in this model? And I because I assumed that was that was the reason. I assumed that was the reason. And he said, Well, it's it's mostly based on futures. Let me just to give you an example. The Packers closed the season. Minus 0.5 points um, relative to average. Based on this, that would have put them mm, right in between 19 and 20, right in between the Steelers and the Raiders. So five, six spots higher. Other models like them more unpredictable, which is market betting, had them positive. The power rank, our friend Ed Fang, friend of the program, had them at 2.9 points. Ahead of the average team on a neutral field, Pro Football Focus had them 0.7 points. Over a, an average team on a neutral field, Sagarin had them 0.53. And the, the point of this is, if it's based on win totals, then this doesn't add up. Because if you take the neutral field points, and we're not going to get too nerdy in the analytics and the math. But I just did some quick back of the, back of the napkin math here. If you give 2.5 points for home field advantage... And you take this minus 2.8 points to an average team. Then the Packers are only supposed to be favored in four games this season. At home against the Bears. Who, but the Bears are ahead of them on this list for reasons that are unclear to me. At home for the Saints. Who are ahead of them. I think that makes some sense. Home for the Rams. Who are also ahead of them on this list for reasons that remain unclear to me. And home against the Bucs. Now, they play the Falcons, but in Atlanta. They play the Panthers, but in Carolina. So they're better technically than those teams, but home field advantage would, at least according to the odds makers, have them be underdogs. So they're only favored in, in four games, but their, their win total is four, seven and a half. If if the model is based on the win totals, then shouldn't those get a little bit closer together? And so it got me thinking. What has to happen for the Packers to be this bad? As bad as this model suggests. 
And the only conclusion that I could come to was that they have to be so bad Jordan Love gets benched in the middle of the season that, that in fact, Jordan Love specifically has to be terrible. And I know that this, this goes back to a point that I've been making kind of constantly over the last few weeks. And that is that the, the drop-off in play from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love is probably not going to be as big as a lot of people are projecting. And actually, Seth said that when the win totals came out, he felt like the market undervalued the Packers and he actually has a Packers over, over seven and a half on the win total ticket. I do too. I have them. I think when when they were four to one to win the division, I, I got them at five to one as well. If the Packers are this bad, it's because Jordan Love is terrible. Terrible. And And again, this is rehashing a little bit, but offensive line is really good. Should be better this year than it was last year if they stay relatively healthy. The running game is really good. That that That's right there is like more than a lot of the teams ahead of them can say. Like the commanders, their running game is not as good. Their offensive line is not as good as Green Bay. And they've Sam Howell quarterback. How can they be projected to be ahead of Green Bay when they don't exactly have the purple people leaders defense? The Rams have like three NFL players. And one of them is Matthew Stafford who... He had to say, I'm not retiring because of the injuries. One of them is the Bears ahead of the Packers. Again, for reasons that remain unclear to me, the worst front four maybe that I've ever seen, the defense is still bad, and the offense, the offensive line is still not very good, and Justin Fields has proven exactly nothing as a passer. It just doesn't make sense to me why they would be, high, be behind these teams. Like, yeah, they're worse than the 49ers. They're worse than the Bengals. They're worse than the Eagles. They're worse than the Jets. They're worse than the Bills. They're worse than the Chiefs. They're, like, fine. Would it surprise me if they end up being better than some of, a lot of the teams ahead of them? No, it would not. This doesn't make sense unless, unless Jordan Love is really bad. Unless Jordan Love is really bad because these other things are good. Their passing defense is good and should be better. Their offensive line was good and should be better. Their running game was good and should be better when they're allowed to just do it and not have a quarterback say, I don't really want to run the ball. I want to go down throwing. There are just a lot of reasons, and we've gone over them. I did a whole show on all the things that the Packers are best at, they're going to be better at this year, or at least more talented at this year. The only way it plays out this way is if Jordan Love is trash. I mean, bad, bad. Because, like the Raiders, another team ahead of them. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be healthy? Is he going to play six games, eight games? What is, what is happening with Minnesota's defense? Are we just sure that they're going to be good? Below average offense, we talked about this yesterday, but way below average defense. The luckiest team in the history of the league winning close, close, close games. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Denver is way ahead of them. Denver was terrible last year. It's the same team coming back, but with Sean Payton, and he's just going to miraculously fix Russell Wilson, who looked terrible last year. The only way this happens is if Jordan Love is just a disaster. And guess who doesn't think that's going to happen? The Packers. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But the Packers are betting on it not happening. And I think that's at least worth saying. 
All right, we're going to finish up here in just a second. But before we do, thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first lesson every day. Every dayers. Plenty more on the show this week. As I mentioned, Gary Ellerson. We've still got rookie orientations to do. Roger's signature series to do. So stay with us all week, all month, all year. We're always here giving you all of the good stuff. Um, one last thing I want to say, OTAs opening this week. Of course, we're going to be covering it. We're talking about it such that we can. Um, limited visibility from an outside perspective, but there are things to be learned. Who's lining up where? Is someone playing a new position? Is someone getting reps with the first team? It's early. It's very early. Remember, like Chris Barnes was the first team linebacker last year at OTAs. And by like day one of training camp, it was Quay Walker. I think actually by mandatory minicamp, Trey Walker was, or Quay Walker was the starting linebacker. Like it took two weeks or three weeks. And we're three weeks away from mandatory minicamp opening. We're going to see the rookies on the field with the veterans, everyone together in one place. And I mentioned this, and it's something we'll talk about this week. Jaden Reed is the guy that I'm really excited to see because I think he is someone who can hit the ground running in this offense. I'm really excited about what the Titans are going to be eventually. And, and I think by like midseason, they can both be potentially impactful guys for Green Bay. I'm not saying they're going to be like, you know, the second coming of Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski by any means, but they can be factors. Receivers are just more likely to come in and make an impact. We saw this with Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. And in shells, we're going to see it. If he can't get open in shells, he can't get open. I think he's going to be able to get open. He looks bigger. We saw some video from the NFLPA event that they did. He looks big for a guy who's 5'10 and change. 195 now. He looks like he's gotten some, some added muscle, upper body, especially lower body. Looks looks like he's packed on some power. I'm just really excited to see what that looks like on the field in this offense with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and all these other guys. And apparently Samari Toure also rocked up 8 to 10 pounds of muscle he put on. Um, I'm just excited to see these guys hit the field. A lot more to come this week. We will be here as we always are. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like at the NFL Draft Show in Green Bay, you can subscribe on YouTube and watch us there so you can stay Locked on Packers. 